We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect. There are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, American, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. Welcome to the Rotowire NBA podcast. It is Tuesday, October 25th, opening night in the association. We have a special guest on the podcast today. He is Harrison Wind of BSN Denver. Harrison is as clued in on the Nuggets as just about anyone, and we appreciate him stopping by to drop some knowledge before their season kicks off Wednesday night against the Pelicans. So let's kick it to that interview right away. A special podcast here on this Tuesday. Nick and I are joined by Harrison Wind of BSN Denver. Harrison, thanks for joining us. Yeah, what's up, guys? Thanks for having me on. Yes, I'm happy to have you right ahead of the NBA season. Season starts tonight. Nick and I are geeking out. We can hardly stay in one seat. Uh, what about you? What are you most excited about heading into the season, Harrison? What am I most excited about? You mean besides besides the Denver Nuggets? <laughs> <laughs> it could it could be Nuggets related. It could be it could be anything. Yeah, I mean, I'm excited about the Nuggets. They have a really watchable young team this year. I'm excited about the Western Conference. I mean, like always, it's, it should be another year full of storylines in the West. Particularly excited about Houston Rockets. I feel like they're a team 
during the preseason that everybody's kind of getting behind. They have a ton of momentum heading into the season. Um, so I'm excited to see how the Rockets play this year. They're probably a team I'll be watching pretty closely outside of Denver. Yeah, I'm, I'm high on the Rockets as well. Um, I mean, the big question with them, though, is just the lack of depth. I, I think if everyone stays healthy, they could they could finish as high as four in the West, you know, probably somewhere in that five, six, seven range. Uh, but if, if Harden goes down at any point, obviously that's a huge blow. But even if they lose, you know, Eric Gordon or Ryan Anderson, all of a sudden we're looking at a lot of Montrez Harrell and, and K.J. McDaniels on the court. Yeah, I got burned by Houston last year. I picked them to win the West last year, and who did? Got, yeah, got got pretty burnt by that. But uh, now I'm loving Houston. I'm loving Harden mm-hmm. and D'Antoni. I just I just want to see how that uh, pans out. But yeah, like you, I had Utah fourth until uh, the Hayward injury, and now right. I'm bumping Houston up to four. So Harrison, I mentioned at the top here, you're working with BSN Denver. Are you actually from the Denver area? Did you grow up in that area? I am. I grew up in Boulder. I'm, I was born on the East Coast, but moved out to Boulder when I was like six years old. So I grew up there, went to school there, and then uh, moved down to Denver after college. Awesome. So you're a young guy, just like us, been with BSN. This is your second year with BSN, I believe, right? Uh, but where did you start writing? Is this your, you know, your first major job with BSN? Um, and yeah, correct me if I'm wrong. This is your second season moving in with BSN, right? Yeah, this is my second season covering the team. Uh, BSN Denver is uh, it's a Denver startup company that we only started about a year and a half ago. Uh, so last year was our first season covering the Nuggets, and we cover all the major sports in Denver. So the Nuggets, the Broncos, the Rockies. Um, so we're just about a year and a half old right now, heading into our second season uh, with the Nuggets. But uh, yeah, like I said, we're pretty much a startup that's that's growing, growing our readership, growing our uh, our users and uh, we're already the number one 100% digital sports news platform in Denver in just over one and a half years. So, so big things coming on the horizon for sure. What does BSN stand for? Uh, BSN stands for Brandon Spano Network. He's our president and founder. He was a uh, he's a radio guy in Denver okay. who's been on the been on the scene for a while and uh, started BSN Denver. Yeah, like I said, a little sure. under two years ago. I, yeah. wanted, I wanted to know that so bad, but I didn't want to ask if it was like totally a common thing that I've just been out of the know well, on or what. Well, what I wanted to know is, you know, it's, it's BSN Denver. So like, is the goal eventually to expand to other cities? Yeah, yeah. The goal, the goal would be to have a similar platform in other cities. Sure. But uh, we're, we're using Denver as our base because Brandon was a big radio personality in Denver. So if, if you're asking people in Denver, they usually know what BSN stands for. But uh, yeah, people outside of Denver, it's still a little foreign. All right. Yeah, fair enough. Educating us uh, one question at a time here. So let's jump into it. Let's get into the Nuggets. Um, We'll break it down pretty systematically, but let's start off with uh, Harrison. Who's the best player on this roster? Best player on this roster. I mean, this one was pretty clear to me. It's got to be Daniil Gallinari. I mean, he had his best offensive season of the year last year. I think he averaged about 19 and a half points a game. Um, So just his best season from an offensive output standpoint and he's really the leader of this team. He's going to take them as far as they go this year. If they're looking to contend for that eight seat, Gallinari is going to have it needs to have a huge year. Um, they played through him most last season uh, when they really need a bucket. They're going to Gallinari in an ISO situation last season. Uh, things might be a little different in terms of just how they're running their offense this year, but the Nuggets are going to go as far as Gal is going to take them in my mind. 
Yeah, I think it was very evident that they missed Gallinari after the injury uh, last season. DJ and I have talked a lot about this Nuggets team. We've, we've kind of gone back and forth as far as where we think the ceiling is for them. And I think they have a chance to sneak in as maybe the seven or the eight seed if everything breaks right. Uh, you know, as we said earlier, there's talent all over this roster. This is one of the deepest teams uh, in the Western Conference. But I think if there's one maybe criticism of the roster, it's that, you know, it's similar to Boston in some ways and that they're eight or nine deep all over the place. But it's hard to say they have a truly elite, you know, one or two players on this roster. So is there a problem uh, with Denver maybe being too deep and not having, you know, one or two guys to, to really separate themselves? You know, it seems like a problem on paper. It wasn't last year just because of how many injuries they had. Um, you know, they were probably 10 or 11 deep in their rotation of guys who should be playing NBA minutes. But last year, it wasn't really an issue because of all the injuries they had. You know, all their starters at one point or another were in and out of the lineup. But, I mean, yeah, they've been talking about, you know, the rumors have been they're trying to flip all these pieces for a star. And that's been the talk for the last two years. And none of it's really come to fruition but um we'll we'll see how the rotation works itself out because there it's definitely crowded in some places you know in the front court and the back court um but last year wasn't an issue because of the injuries so we'll see kind of how things go this year i guess yeah, I guess I just want to dig into that a little bit more, Harrison, especially with the front court. Kenneth Freed is somebody that seemed to be lingering out there in trade talks. Him moving to the bench obviously makes it seem like it could be easier to to put him on the move. Do you think um, from an outsider or more of an insider's perspective that they do need to uh, clear up and, and thin out this front court a little bit moving ahead this season and more so maybe long term? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's been no secret they've been trying to move Fareed. And it does look like they're going to be starting the two uh, Balkan big men, as Malone has been calling them, Nurkic and Jokic up front, which uh, is going to move free to the bench. And, you know, from what the Nuggets are saying, everything's going well so far. So far, Fareed's buying into a bench role. Um, He's, you know, he had his best training camp of his career this preseason, according to Malone. You know, take that with a grain of salt. Take that for what it's worth. But, uh you know, things are going well right now for Fareed moving to the bench. And I think that's going to be his best role moving forward. That's how he's going to be most effective, um, you know, if he's on the Nuggets, if he's on another team. But, uh, you know, if he's willing to accept a bench role, I think he can be great. I think he can be a great energizer off the bench with that second unit that struggled so much last year. If he's not willing to accept it, he's probably going to have to move on somewhere else. I think it's really as simple as that. Is there enough talent on this roster right now to to kind of like the long term outlook? You know, between Jokic, Nurkic, uh, you know, the two small forwards, Gallinari, Chandler, uh, and then you know Will Barton, who's on maybe the best, most affordable contract uh, in the NBA, um, and then of course you have the two young guys, Moutier and Jamal Murray, this year's first round pick. Is there enough talent on the roster now to to like the direction that this team is going, or do you think they kind of do need to package and, and try to get a, an established superstar at some point? Yeah, you know, I like the direction they're going. I think they got three guys in Jokic, um, Moutier, and now Jamal Murray who have you know, pretty high ceilings. You can even throw Nurkic into that group, although I'm not as high on him as I am on uh, those other three. And I think Jamal Murray actually probably might have the highest ceiling out of that group. But it's kind of a weird roster, you know, because they're stuck between those young guys and they have the the Neil Gallinari and the Wilson Chandlers and the Kenneth Fareeds of the world. Um so I think the feeling is uh, that older group is going to kind of 
usher them into the playoffs, hopefully, and then the younger group will kind of take over and they'll get behind them. But it is kind of a weird dynamic because they're you know, caught in between two, uh, two age groups, if you will. But I do think, you know, if everybody stays healthy, if you know, everybody takes another step forward this year, they could be in the eighth seed. If injuries break the right way for them, the eighth or seventh seed is definitely in reach, like you said. Let's talk specifically about that 19-year-old from Kentucky, the seventh overall pick uh, by the Nuggets. Now, initially we think he was slotted in as a shooting guard. Last week uh, you wrote a nice piece, Harrison, saying that he's pretty competent at point guard and he probably will be running second-team point guard uh, this year. Um, what do you think his initial role will be as a rookie? And then obviously, if, if you want to touch on, is there a shot that he could actually surpass Moutier as a starting point guard for this team? Yeah, well, Malone and Conley have been pretty adamant that they view Jamal Murray as a true combo guard, somebody who's going to play one, somebody who's going to play two. And it even seems like they're trending more towards wanting him to play the one. Um, Right now, they like Jameer Nelson as their backup point guard. Um, I mean, if you watch Denver last season, Nelson was only healthy for the first half of it. He wasn't amazing. You know, when he was healthy last year, he didn't play great. Um, he's kind of looks like he's getting to his last legs here. So I think it's pretty conceivable that Jamal Murray will develop into this team's backup point guard by, by the end of the year. And then uh, did you ask about if he could potentially surpass Moutier this year? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm very curious about it. Obviously, from a, t- a statistical standpoint and, and really an on-the-court standpoint, uh, Moutier had a rough rookie season last year. He, he improved sure. as it went on. But um, from your article standpoint, it seems like Murray um, is already showing some flashes of competency running the helmet point guard. Yeah, he's had a very good preseason. Uh, he's looked pretty confident running the pick-and-roll to me. And uh, Moutier, who's, who missed the last couple games of the preseason with an ankle injury, uh, he didn't have a great preseason. His, his shot really, uh, he took a lot of steps with his shot towards the second half of last season, really cleaned up his form and things were looking promising. And then this preseason, uh, it seems like he kind of reverted back to his old ways. I, I think he only made one, uh, one field goal outside the restricted area all preseason long. I think he was something like one of 23 or something. Uh, so Kind of a discouraging preseason from Moutier, but a really encouraging one from uh, from Jamal Murray. I don't think that's going to happen uh, this year, or at least during the first half of this year. But based on how you know maybe the first thirty something games go, if Moutier is not really showing like he's taking a step forward, uh, I think Jamal Murray. I think there could be a lot of momentum for Jamal Murray to maybe take that starting spot. If I had to go on record, I don't think it happens this year, but. I think his ceiling is probably higher than Moutier's in the long term. So I think it's definitely something to watch, you know, just throughout the season. Yeah, I mean, I, I more so ask because you have Gary Harris, who's, you know, we'll see if he plays opening night or not with that injury. And then you have Will Barton as well at shooting guard. Not so much uh, that Murray is better suited at point guard, but you're already so deep at shooting guard. If you feel that, you know, Murray and a combination of Harris and Barton are your better backcourt than Moutier and pick whoever else you want at shooting guard, then it makes sense to move Murray over to point guard. But I'm, yeah, I more so ask just because there's so much depth at shooting guard, at least it seems so. Sure, it, there definitely is, and the organization loves Gary Harris as well. Uh, Malone's made a point to say, you know, even when Gary Harris gets back, if that's opening night tomorrow or if that's their home opener Saturday, you know, he's going to be their starting shooting guard, and 
just from the steps he took last season, uh, there's really no reason to, to think otherwise. Gary had a great season. He made great strides. I think he's one of the most underrated players in the league right now. But, yeah, obviously Jamal Murray has that ceiling. He's you know only 19 years old. Uh, he's got an incredible skill set, an incredible jumper already. Um, but I, I don't really know how it's going to turn out, to be honest. They, ha- they have a lot of depth, and they do like Will Barton coming off the bench, though. Um, he has started the last couple games for Harris, but I think they do like him coming off the bench. That's, that's where he'll stay, I believe. Yeah, what, what is the plan for Will Barton? You know, where is he going to see most of his minutes? Is it at shooting guard? Is it small forward or just kind of wherever he's needed? I mean, this is a guy who was, you know, three months into last season, probably on the short list of, you know, potential most improved player of the year, as well as six man of the year, faded a little bit down the stretch. But uh, I mean, is he what is his plan, I guess, for this season? And then, you know, do you think they plan to keep him around long term once that contract is up in a couple of years? Yeah, well, his plan for this season is going to be very much like last season. He's going to come off the bench and play on the wing. Uh, but what they like to do with Will Barton is they actually like to put the ball in his hands a lot. So he's uh, he's pretty much the point guard of the second unit, even if he's not point guard in name. Uh, he's the one who's bringing the ball up, initiating the offense. Uh, he's working in the pick and roll. He's working to create shots. So he's really who they rely on you know, for their offense in that second unit. In terms of if his future is in Denver, I mean, if they're looking uh, to make a significant trade this year, Will Barton's a really nice filler. Let's be honest. His contract makes him very easy to be moved. Um, he's he's a nice throw in if you're looking to deal somebody like Kenneth Freed. But uh, I wouldn't anticipate him being moved. I, obviously, a lot's going to depend on you know how the season progresses. They have a really tough opening 10 games of the season. So, I mean, if they get off to a really bad start and by the all-star break, you know, it's looking like they're not going to have a shot at the playoffs. He's a pretty attractive option to be a throw in for a trade. So what about Malik Beasley? I mean, we, we have so many names. We're talking about this 19 overall pick in the first round by Denver. Normally, you'd think a 19th overall pick in the first round could find a way to see some rotational minutes, at least by the end of the season. I'm not so sure that I could say that about Beasley, not because he's not um, you know, going to be able to make strides, but just because of how much depth. Uh, is this a, just kind of a D-league guy for the remainder of the season, or do you think that he can press in and make his name known amongst the names that we've already talked about? Yeah, yeah. Well, like we talked about, the backcourt's so crowded, and they really like Beasley. But from the people I've been talking to, they still think he's a far ways away. Uh, so he's going to be a guy who's probably in a suit most nights, uh, along with someone like Jarnell Stokes on the inactive list. But that's also another issue because the Nuggets don't have a D League team. They're one of eight teams not to have a D League team right now. So really, the only option is to uh, to put him on the bench in street clothes. Uh, he's he's a guy they like. He's a, got a nice skill set, but but like I said, they think he's pretty far away from uh, from c- contributing. I'd be pretty shocked if he got significant minutes this year. Probably only out of necessity if just injuries hit them like they did last year. Harrison, what would you say is the biggest strength uh, of this Denver team? We already talked about the depth that they have at all five positions, but um, you know what else would you say it, you know this Nuggets team can do well heading into the season? I think their biggest strength is versatility. I mean, obviously they're starting the season with the big lineup of Nurkic and uh, Jokic up front. Uh, They can also go with kind of a medium-sized lineup with Freed or Darrell Arthur at the four and one of those big guys at the five. And then they can go super small, which is how I think they're going to try to close games out with 
preferably Jokic and, you know, maybe Nurkic if he's having a really effective game and he matches up better with the opposing five. But one of those guys, along with Gallinari and Wilson Chandler on the wing, and then uh, maybe Harrison Moutier up top. So they can really go big with, with their starting front quarter. They can go really small with uh, with that potential closing lineup. So I'd say versatility and you know the amount of different lineups they can throw out there, the amount of different looks they can give the defense is probably their biggest strength. Um, what about the biggest weakness? We'll kind of turn that question uh, on its head. Yeah, I think if you're if you're looking for the biggest weakness, it's probably outside shooting. They were one of the worst teams from three in the league last year, um, and they did get better over the summer. That was one of the things they wanted to address in the draft specifically. So they got Jamal Murray, who's I think is going to be a plus shooter his rookie year, and uh, they get Wilson Chandler back, who's also a, a good threat from deep. But it's going to be a storyline to see if that materializes because they did not shoot the three well at all this preseason. And also they defended the three really poorly as well. So a three point offense and their ability to defend the three point line. Those are uh, probably their two biggest weaknesses right now. So the cuts just happened for a lot for every team in the NBA. Really the nuggets decided to depart from, I mean, just two amazing Midwest collegiate guys and Nate Walters and Robbie Hummel. Um, (laughs) Instead they stick with Jarnell Stokes, uh, any surprises there from your perspective? Obviously, we talked about how they've been deep all over. I think you could make a case where they could have kept any combination of those guys and or, or any one of those three, and, and you could make a legitimate argue for it. Uh, were you taken off guard by them going with Stokes over the other two I mentioned? No, not over those other two. I was a little surprised they didn't keep Axel Tupon around for longer. Uh, he was on the team for the second half of the season. They uh, – they called him up from Toronto's D-League affiliate where he was playing. I thought he played well for them uh, last season. I thought he had a good summer, and I thought he could give them some uh, depth on the wing where they've had so many injury issues in the past. But uh, I wasn't surprised when they took Stokes over Hummel and Nate Walters. Robbie Hummel never looked that great this preseason to me, and uh, they're kind of loaded at point guard with Moutier and Nelson and Jamal Murray. Uh, but... I feel like the real reason they kept Stokes and kept and hung on to him was because they plan to play this Nurkic and Jokic lineup so much. They need some insurance uh, behind those guys at the five. And really, if you're looking at their bench, Kenneth Reed is kind of the lone guy who can play five behind those two. Uh, so I think they needed some injury insurance and Stokes. And, and he played well this preseason. I definitely think he earned a spot. All right, Harrison, let's move into a little rapid-fire questions here. Now, before the pod, Waylon and I were talking about, he just dropped a bomb on me. I knew he had a lot of jerseys and of all different players. He told me that he has nine Tracy McGrady jerseys. Do you have anything that rivals that in your closet at all? <laughs> I don't have nine in one jersey. I, I got a bunch <laughs> That's of... That's probably for the best. A, <laughs> right, right. Uh, I do have a bunch of jerseys. My favorite one right now, I do have a Denver Nuggets, Jalen Rose uh, oh wow! Jersey Good from for you. when from when he was here, I think for just a year or two uh, in the nineties. Yep. But that's probably my favorite one right now—a Jalen Rose kind of dark navy blue Nuggets jersey. I'm looking over Nick's shoulder. He already has it in his shopping cart. I'm you jealous. Suggest, yeah, yeah he, I, I didn't know Jalen Rose <laughs> spent the first two years of his career in, in Denver. But what a jersey to have! Do you have any other any other gems? Maybe non-Denver. Um, I have a John 
Stark's Knicks jersey. My oh, my, uh, my wow. family's from the East Coast. Okay. Grew up Knicks fans. I was born in New York, uh, so I do have a John Stark's uh, Knicks jersey, which is which is a good uh, conversation starter. <laughs> but that uh, that Jalen Rose jersey, that's a hard one to find. I was looking on uh, eBay and Amazon yep. forever for one of those, and uh, I actually had mentioned it on my podcast that I host. And uh, one of our listeners actually hit me up and sent me a Jalen Rose Nuggets jersey, or else I wouldn't have it right now. So, I, huge, huge shout out to him. Yeah, I actually have a, a very similar experience with that. We do a, a RotoWire NFL podcast, and la- I'm a big Jacksonville Jaguars fan, you know, as a native of Green Bay, naturally. Uh, I love the Jags, so I, I've played that. <laughs> Sorry up. about that. Yeah, it's, yeah, thank you. Thank you. It's been a rough, it's been a rough 15 years. Um, but yeah, I, a listener sent me a Byron Leftwich Jaguars jersey in the mail out of nowhere which I was, you know, grateful and kind of shocked at the same time. Wow, yeah. <laughs> yeah, as, as you can imagine, I don't wear that one out too much. Um, but, <laughs> but, but back to the rapid-fire round. Maybe, maybe Jalen Rose is the answer to this question, but who is your favorite Nuggets player of all time? Oh, my favorite Nuggets player of all time. Well, I mean, I didn't really see Jalen. I was pretty young when he was, uh, right. w- when he was here. Favorite Nuggets player of all time. I'm going to go with Chauncey Billups. I mean, I know that's probably... Uh, Probably a pretty cliche answer, but mm-hmm. Denver native, uh, you know, a high school legend here in Denver, and then uh, came back and had two stints with the Nuggets, and then that that last stint was probably the best Nuggets team uh, I've seen, that Western Conference Finals team that nearly uh, beat the Lakers. I'll go with Chauncey Billups. I like it. Good answer. Good answer. All right, we've been asking everybody that we bring on uh, this question. Definitely interested to get your take on the next two rapid-fire questions. Most underrated team in the NBA this season. Who do you think it is? Oh, man, most underrated team. I would say the Jazz because I've been touting them as the four seed for the last year or so, but now they're now they're almost overrated, I feel like. Yeah. Um, if I had to go with an underrated team – I'm gonna go, man. That's tough. I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna go with the Minnesota Timberwolves, even though they're getting some pub for the eighth seed. I just think they're they're gonna take a huge step forward this year. I don't think people are giving Thibodeau enough uh, enough credit for just the type of impact he's gonna make there. I'm kind of doing this off the top of my head, but I'll go. Uh, I'll go Minnesota. Yeah, I could not disagree with you more, Harrison. I think they're so overrated. I th- I think there's so many differing differing opinions. I think they might need a year or two to mesh. I'm not so sold on them right out of the gates, but I know a lot of people are. I mean, they're my pick for the eight seed right now. So that's yeah. I, I mean, do you do you think it's more Tibbs or is it more the development of Wiggins, Levine, Towns that carries them there? Like, I think they can get in as the eight. I think if Sam Mitchell's still coaching this team, there's no chance they're a playoff team. Right. Well, I think it's both. I think you're going right. from a coach who didn't know what he was doing to one of the best coaches in the league. And then, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I definitely think Wiggins and Levine are, and Towns are all in for a big step forward this year. Okay. So if Minnesota or Utah are the most underrated teams in the league, who are some of the you know one or two most overrated? Uh, most overrated... I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with the Spurs this year. I think the Spurs are gonna have a a pretty good regular season, probably about 50 wins. I don't really think they're a threat in the playoffs like they have been in the past. I just don't really trust that front court defensively. Uh, you know, with Pau Gasol and Aldridge up there, I think they're going to have a pretty good regular season. I don't think they're really a threat in the playoffs, though. 
No, I'm with you on that. I think they're still probably the second best team out west. Uh, I mean, the Clippers will, will certainly give them a run for their money, but the Clippers bench is just so, so bad that if there are any injuries there, I think they're in deep trouble. But yeah, I don't think this San Antonio team is constructed to win in the playoffs, especially against a team like Golden State. I mean, you could you could win a lot of regular season games with Pau Gasol and LaMarcus Aldridge, but I don't know how you ask those guys to chase around Draymond Green and KD. Right. And then if you, I think if you're looking at the East, I think obviously the Knicks and Bulls are, you know, the most overrated teams mm-hmm. in terms of how the casual fan uh, looks at them. I think the Knicks, you know, if everything goes all right, they could sneak into the playoffs. I think the Bulls are just a dumpster fire this year. Like, I think Hoiberg's going to get fired eventually. I think, you know, D Wade might be his only year in Chicago. Mm-hmm. I just think that's going to go terribly. Yeah, the thing about the Knicks is like I think if Joe Kim Noah's healthy, it's kind of easy to forget how effective he can be. You know, even two years ago. Um, whereas with the Bulls, it's like even if everything goes right for them, I think the eight seed is is the ceiling. I kind of feel bad for Jimmy Butler, honestly. I feel like they're they're kind of stunting his growth by bringing in Wade and Rondo. Uh, but no, I'm with you. I don't like either of those teams. But if I had to pick one to make the playoffs, I think it's the Knicks. Yeah, I'd agree with you. I'll take the Knicks out of those two, too. Yeah, those have been two chalk answers, and I completely agree. A name power, you'd think they'd be pretty good. And like you said, the casual fan will probably think they'll be pretty good. But really, from an X's and O's standpoint, they're going to have some issues. But we'll see. I think one of those teams will figure it out and will surprise some people. Let's switch it back over. This is the least rapid, rapid fire round of all time, but I like it. Uh, Who starts more games this season? Harris, Barton, or Murray for your Nuggets, Harrison? Oh, I'd go Harris. I'd go Harris for sure. I mean, he started every game he played in last year. I think he missed about eight games with a concussion. Uh, but other than that, he started every game he played in. And yeah, he's definitely the starter going forward. I mean, if he's healthy, I think he'll start 82 games this year. So if Kenneth Fareed is traded this season, what's a realistic return? You know, maybe not a specific player, but like what type of player or what type of return can the Nuggets actually expect to get for him? Yeah, I just think because of how the rest of the league views Fareed, and that's probably as somebody who's coming off the bench, I think best case you're getting, uh, you know, a sixth, seventh, or eighth guy, and then maybe a late first or early second round pick. I think that's probably the best you can hope for at this point. His value's definitely gone down, you know, over the last couple of years. Over the last four years, Gallinari has played in 43, 71, 59, and 53 games each of those seasons. You said he's the most important part, arguably, on, on the team's success this year. They're really hinging on him. However, the, the question we've been asking ourselves every, every year at the beginning each time, uh, will Gallinari play more than 60 games this season? I'm going to go yes on this one. Uh, he played 53 last year. Is that right? 53, correct, yeah. 53. I think he could have gotten to 60 if he came back at the end of the year. I think he could have come back from that ankle if they really needed him, if they were like making a playoff push. I think he could have come back for the last couple games and maybe approached 60, uh, and they just held him out. So I'm going to go over on that. That's, that's a good thing to bring up is that uh, you know we talk about Anthony Davis and maybe his inability to stay healthy but if those pelicans teams were more competitive i mean and some of them were kind of fighting at the end of the season you know maybe that uh total games played does bump up that's certainly a perspective on gallinari i've probably never thought of and that we've never really talked about too much right nick right uh, yeah i don't know i don't know if that was the case maybe two years ago but i think last year was definitely a, a case where they could have brought him back if they needed him all right we've asked everybody that we've brought on over under 70 wins for the golden state warriors Oh man, that's tough because I'm picking them for 70 wins. <laughs> oh. I'll go. Uh, I'll go over. 
Okay. No, I'm with you on that too. I, I did a podcast with, with Kale Chenard of Hawks.com earlier this week, and he was he was trying to talk me into the under on, I think it was 66 wins. And oh, my, my counter to that was LeBron James won 66 games with Booby Gibson and Big Z <laughs> and whoever, Ira Nubel, I think might have been on that roster. Like 66 wins is a lot in the NBA, but 66 wins for this Warriors team would be a massive disappointment to me, even if they're, they're resting guys more than I expect. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. I just... I mean, I think they will rest a ton of guys. I think they will rest Curry a ton this year. But, I mean, just having Durant there, I think set over 70 is a pretty easy call, honestly. All right. Who's the best player on the Nuggets in three years? I think you've kind of hinted, hinted at it a little bit over the last 30 minutes or so. But who do you think is the best player on the Nuggets in three years' time? Yeah, you know, I've said I think Jamal Murray might have the highest ceiling. Um if I had to, if I had to make a, you know, put a wager on somebody right now to be the best three years from now, I'd probably still go Jokic just because of what he showed us last year. Um, I think Murray probably ha- he has a skill set to get there, and I don't think Jokic's ceiling is quite as high. But I think if we're looking three years from now, if I had to, if I had to go with one guy, I, I'd go with Jokic. That's how much believer I am in him. All right, last question. Uh, you said you you attended CU Boulder. What was the most memorable game that you attended uh, during your college days there? Could could be football or basketball, though probably not a ton of memorable football games during that span. <laughs> right, yeah, there were a couple. Um, most memorable, that's going to have to be the, uh, the inaugural year CU joined the Pac-12. I guess that was in 2012, 2012, I believe, 2011, 2012. But... Uh, they won the Pac-12 tournament that year in basketball. It was the first year in the Pac-12. They won the Pac-12 tournament in L.A. And I was fortunate enough to go to the uh, to go to L.A. for that tournament. So I was there for all those games. Um, some pretty memorable moments there with with a bunch of CU fans watching uh, Colorado in their first year in the Pac-12 win the uh, win the conference tournament. So I'd go with that. Bona fide answer there. Uh, You can catch Harrison Wind all season long on bsndenver.com. You can also catch him on Twitter at NBA Wind. Harrison, thanks so much for taking the time and joining us today. Yeah, no worries, guys. Thanks for having me on.